You are listening to the Addiction Support Podcast, episode number 36. Hi, Oak Creek Wellness family. Welcome to Addiction Support Podcast, where I talk with inspiring people who share their knowledge and experience of addiction and what's working for them. This is addiction support for family and friends from people who've been there. I'm your host, Melissa Sue Tucker. Hi there, welcome. If this is your first time, I'm very excited that you decided to join us this week. And if you have joined us before, welcome back. I'm your host, Melissa Sue Tucker, and you are at the Addiction Support Podcast, where we focus on addiction support topics for family and friends. And as you guys know, sometimes we get into uh, recovery topics as well. Um, this week, our episode is more focused on the family and loved ones. And if you remember, a few weeks back, I had read an email that I received from Laura, and I, I think I shared with you guys how really touching that was. It came at a perfect point for me because I was going through some stuff and still am, um, with my youngest brother. And it was just, sometimes it's hard for me to do this podcast because life is not always great and wonderful. And that's part of the reason why I'm doing it, right? Sometimes we just need that hope and that inspiration to be reminded that things are not as they seem sometimes. So Laura was totally my angel and I told her that for reaching out. And so we just connected and this week, uh, you get to hear our conversation. So she's wonderful. I will give you her bio here. Laura White is a mother, psychotherapist, and entrepreneur committed to sharing the message of recovery. She spent her career helping others develop and use tools for recovery. When confronted with the addiction as a mother, recovery became personal. Laura has been on her own personal journey, healing from the devastating impact of this disease and learning to live more comfortably in the world. Laura says, sharing my story of recovery is how I sort through the pain so I can let go of thoughts and feelings that no longer serve me well. I want to understand so that I can grow and heal. I want to focus on the light, not the dark. I want to make a difference. Laura is a new blogger. She started a blog at recoverymomblog.wordpress.com. That's all one um Recovery Mom blog is all one word and then dot wordpress.com. I will go ahead and make sure that's in the show notes this week too, addiction support podcast.com forward slash episode 36. Uh, and then on November 6, 2016, she will present a workshop designed to help families heal from the disease of addiction. And the workshop's called Restore to Wholeness. And we'll have information on there. You hear her talk about it um, a little bit as we get into the podcast, as well as if you want to get a hold of her, you can do that through her blog, or you can leave comments below on our show notes, or you can email me if you want to contact me to get a hold of her for that. Um, in her counseling practice, Laura collaboratively works with her clients to improve their emotional health so they can live the life they want. Laura says, I believe everyone has the ability to change and grow, and I see my role as a facilitator to this growth. I focus on relationships beginning with the relationship with self. A healthy relationship with self will begin to improve your relationship with others. Learning to take personal responsibility, to set boundaries, to practice self-care, and to not do for others what they should do for themselves have been essential in changing how addiction impacts Laura and her family. 
Laura has two amazing children. Um, Her son's 21 and her daughter is 17. And she talks about them a little bit in the podcast. And she has discovered a passion for cycling and enjoys riding on the road or in the woods. So I hope that you enjoy our conversation this week. And I think that you'll find like I did, she's just really inspiring. And not only does she have the education and the knowledge, she has a life experience. So, you know, if you're listening and you think that you might want to reach out to her and work with her, she might be able to help you or you want to go to her workshop, then let me know how I can connect you to and I'd be happy to do that. So with no further ado, I hope that you find this this conversation inspiring. Well, Laura, thank you so much for joining us on Addiction Support Podcast today. I'm really excited to have our conversation and find out more about you. Welcome. Well, thank you. I'm honored to be on the podcast. I'm, wanna, I want to just say before we jump into it, actually, um, Laura emailed me was probably about a month ago I had skipped a a podcast episode and she had reached out and said hey you know just wanted to encourage you I want you to keep going and she shared with me what she's working on so we'll talk into that today and it meant so much to me I literally I was going through a hard time myself I started crying when I got that email I I love those emails because I don't I mean I've made probably $16 off of a affiliate ads on the show notes, but I don't make money off this at all. And so um, it costs money to produce it. So when you reached out and let me know that, I just, I felt like you were my angel that week. I really needed to hear that. So I wanted to say thank you and share that with everyone. That's how we met. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. I'm glad that it was encouraging (laughs) because you certainly have encouraged me over the last few months. So I'm glad I could give back a little. It's yeah. so amazing what we can do with technology and how we can support each other. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's pretty cool. So, Laura, let's jump into it. Why don't you share with us how addictions impacted your life? Okay. Well, when I discovered that uh, my son was drinking, um, an alarm was triggered in me. Um, and I knew in- immediately that this was not just adolescent experimentation but was, you know, what I refer to as a, the family disease. Like, yeah, um, this would be, I guess he would be the fifth generation of addiction in my family. Mm-hmm. So I'm very familiar with it, um, you know, and I've dealt with it too professionally um, as a counselor. But when it entered in my house, in my home, I was it was just um, grief, but I couldn't... Um, couldn't stop feeling. I just cried and cried. I, um, you know, and I didn't know, I knew what it was, but I didn't know what to do about it. Um, you know, I, um, I realized um, that I couldn't uh, change it or control it or fix it. Um, you know, and what I didn't realize when this all started, how I would lose myself and sacrifice myself in trying to get him well and trying to get him sober. Um, you know, initially, I think I questioned myself if I was really seeing seeing addiction, if it was really, um, or was it adolescent experimentation? But, you know, I quickly realized as it progressed that this was more serious. Do you um, think initially you wanted it to just be adolescent behavior? Well, I think I did. I mean, I think I wanted it to be, um, oh, you know, this is just what boys do. Um, but... You know, and then I, I think also I didn't, seeking out to others, other family members, other people, other professionals, and in um, the feedback I got 
from a lot of them, from other professionals too, is, well, it's so early. It's hard to really say that that's what this is. Mm. Um, and then, you know, in terms of what to do about it. So, you know, I did the things that you I know to do as a parent. I set limits. I set boundaries. I took them to therapy, I, you know, and but it just continued to progress. Um, you know, and it wasn't until... Um, about a year ago, um, and there were numbers, you know, as this disease goes, there's always something worse. And I kept wondering, um, how bad does it have to get? And about a, a year ago, he was on in a head-on collision um, oh, wow. and ended up at the trauma unit. And, um, you know, receiving that phone call, you know, my heart is in my throat, driving to the hospital, and all I knew is that his legs were broken. Um, uh-huh. And remember thinking, broken legs, we can recover from broken legs. And, um, and when I got there and I saw him on the stretcher and he was talking, um, you know, it was um, certainly a relief uh, that he was still, you know, there wasn't head trauma. Yeah. Um, and so it was a, a long um a long physical recovery, but I think that's really when the addiction just escalated. Um, you know, and his progression is similar to other other kids, other adolescents, as it um, started with alcohol and then marijuana and then pills. Um, and you know, he had seven broken bones, so he had he had pain meds. Um, and you know, what I do also understand about the disease of addiction is that you can't. Um, you can't appropriately use, no. appro- you know, pain medicines. And, you know, the, and having conversations with the physicians about saying, well, he is a, he has a substance abuse disorder. And then looking back at me, like, I don't know what to do with that. You know, but they right. just, you know, they, um, their concern so after, is pain management and that's what they're focused on. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, and it's not necessarily, you know, that that's not necessarily their fault. That's their training. Right. But to be able to um, to help him, because he does need the pain managed. I mean, I've never broken a bone, but, you know, he had seven of them. Um, so um, he spent a couple of weeks in the hospital and then from there went to a, um, a physical rehab, skilled nursing facility. Um, and then... Um, eventually ended up in my living room. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, through the progression of his disease, I had put him out of the house a couple of times. Um, but there was really no place for him to go. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and I also had the idea that I had some control over this because he couldn't have a two-story house. He can't walk upstairs. I can, you know, put the medicine. I can control this. I can put the medicine in you know, in a place that he can't get. But, you know, it's a cunning, baffling, powerful disease. Mm-hmm. And he found a way to get to it, you know, and he found people who would bring it to him. Um, and so it was a very fast, fast descent um, for him and for me as I tried to get um, tried to get him well. And, um, and it was interesting, too, at that point, you know, after the car accident, because I'd really, you know, the per- the isolation that occurred as his disease progressed and, and the secrecy that goes with, um, with this disease, um, I didn't feel like 
I could talk to people about it. I couldn't really tell people what was going on. I mean, people could see uh, you know, he would um, that he was not being successful at school, um, you know, and but it was hard for me to talk about what was really happening. And at the car, when he had the car accident, um, people rushed forward with, you know, well wishes and condolences and casseroles. How can we help? And, and it was really me allowing people to help hmm. that made the difference. I think, you know, I didn't have the sense of shame about his physical injuries that I did about his addiction. And so kind of at the same time as I was um, falling deeper into despair, there was just this um, kind of army of support around me that kind of carried me through. Um, and I finally started talking about what was really what was really happening. And I remember running into um, a friend at a store who I didn't even really know very well and um, asked how he was doing, you know, um, because when you have that kind of accident that, um, you know, every it's kind of every parent's nightmare. Um, that phone people, call especially. Yeah. yeah. You know, they, they're very compassionate and they ask. And so... I just started crying, <laughs> which when this person asked me how I was doing, and I'm sure that was not the response he was looking for, but, um, you know, and he said, well, I thought he was getting better. I said, well, he is, you know, the, the physical injury he's recovering from, but the addiction is just out of control. Mm-hmm. And so when I was able to start talking about it, um, I started getting better, um, and I had been going to meetings. I've been going to Al-Anon for about five and a half years, and I just kept going to more and more meetings. Um, I had, um, you know, reached out for my support. Um, so it progressed to the point um, where I gave him an option, um, you know, because he clearly was not going to stop, um, and and I couldn't control it. Um, he was, it, you know, it was bad. And I gave him the choice of um, going going to a shelter, uh, going to jail, or going to rehab. Mm. And I'm grateful he accepted rehab. I don't know that I could have done the other two options, but I was at such a point of desperation, I had to do something. Mm. Um, he couldn't stay in the house because I didn't think we were going to survive. Um, and, you know, and that was really... Um, certainly a significant turning point. Um, that takes a tremendous with, amount of strength to, to be able to, you know, reach down inside of yourself and be able to say something like that to your child. I mean, obviously that's the best thing that you could have done, but I, as a mom myself, I kind of put myself in those shoes and I can't imagine the amount of strength that you had to call upon to be able to, to lay down those options. Well, it, it kind of goes against, um, our natural instinct as mothers. And then I think, and that's the part to me that has been um, so challenging and so difficult. I mean, I understand how the disease works. I understand how the people get lost and they need to find their way on their own. Um, But as a mother, we're wired to uh, nurture and to protect and to um, care for our children. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, with the, um, but I think I realized 
and it wasn't like one moment, but realized over many months that I couldn't get him well, and um, I had to let go. Um, and you know, I have a um, I have a younger he has a younger sister. I have a daughter who I had I have to, that I'm responsible for too, and she I had to consider her. Um, and you know, his disease was affecting all of us, yeah. was hurting all of us. And, um, so somebody had said to me once and I, you know, said that, uh, having a child is like your heart living outside of your body. Yeah. And, and when your child is suffering, you just want to, you want to, um, keep them from suffering. Yeah. So, um, but I, but I also realized that I couldn't, I couldn't stop the suffering myself. So, um, you know, he had, um, this was the, the, uh, second attempt at treatment or, you know, actually of, of residential treatment. And, um, I think what was different for me at that point when I dropped him off this, the last time is um, that I was completely um, ready to let go. Mm. Um, I think before that, I think I really had the idea that there was something, something I could say, something I could do, something that I could, um, some difference I could make. And, um, and so that was, um, for me, when I could begin to heal. Yeah. Um, and... You know, the growth and the change that I have seen in myself um, in recognizing that I have to um, I have to take care of myself. And, you know, and some of that is um, finding other people who understand this disease and talk to them. It's, um, you know, kind of the basic stuff of, um, you know, getting eating right, getting enough exercise, getting enough sleep, um, you know, all of those self-care things that are important. Um, yeah, I participated in the family program uh, and learned about myself. Um, I listen to podcasts. I do, um, you know, all of those things that I know to do. Um, well, I can only imagine that having gone through this firsthand, that makes you an even more powerful therapist. And when you're working with your clients, it's probably easier for you now to be lovingly honest and point things out and, and push them maybe further than maybe you could have before. I would imagine that would just make you that much stronger and that much more effective too. Well, I feel like I understand things in a way that I didn't before. Mm. I mean, I had, um, you know, I've had the book knowledge, the education for many years. Um, but you know, until you live through it, I don't, you know, until you live through it, it, it's um, it's hard to really understand, you know. And my experience, of course, is you know going to be different than somebody else's. But to be able to use my experience, um, you know, perhaps in helping other others see um, see the solution, see the hope in recovery. And that's really uh, what it's about because there is a lot of hope. There's a lot of people that are able to recover and live full, amazing lives. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. you know, and 
And for me, it, you know, recovery has been, you know, learning that I am not alone. Mm. Yeah, that I can ask for help and that other people will help. Um, and that I need to ask for help and that I should. I think that was one of the things, you know, one of the um, experiences I had in the family program is I didn't realize um, that I didn't even know I needed to ask for help. I didn't even see it. Um, and that I didn't realize that I was putting my son on a pedestal and not valuing myself. Mm. I mean, I think, I think as a mother, at least that is what mothering has been for me, the experience of um, putting his needs or their needs before my own. Um, but with this, this disease, you can't, you can't do it like that. Mm. Um, Did you find, too, when you started to talk to people that, everybody has a story like this like the more I talk to people the more I'm like oh my gosh you know they tell me their stories how everybody I talk to has an addiction story either themselves or someone in their family right you're absolutely right I mean it is you know that is when I found that I was able to be honest about it others were would share their stories with me too and so you know my hope is to kind of create this um you know community of people in recovery Mm. and that you know that that I think is to talk about recovery to talk about the solution um and that it can and is a great way to live life yeah one of the things you said to me the other day when we were talking that really I haven't been able to forget it's like stuck in my head is when we find out that somebody has cancer you know we show up we bring over casseroles we'll make sure that we're there for the spouse or the family members and everyone in that family but that doesn't really happen when somebody finds out that our child or our husband or somebody is suffering with addiction and um, part of what I like about sharing stories and just getting this out there is hopefully we're taking that stigma away a little bit and hopefully you know somebody will listen to this and if they find out that somebody else is dealing with something that's heartbreaking right now. Maybe they'll go over and take a casserole or go over and sit with them or, you know, there's been days when I didn't want to get out of bed with stuff with my brothers, you know, hopefully somebody will reach out to somebody and realize that it's just as serious. It's just as painful and they don't need to, they don't need to go it alone. No. And that you're absolutely right that you need, you need somebody, you need a community, you need, um, for us to be able to support each other and not judge. Yeah. Uh, You know, and I think that that's, you know, I think that was what kept me from talking about it is my fear of judgment. I mean, how are people going to look at me as a mother or as a professional? I mean, I do this for a living. How could I have a kid that's addicted? Um, You know, but it's, it's a disease. It's not, um, not selective. Um, You know, in my my family, we also have um, we're, uh, male pattern baldness. The men in our family are bald. And, you know, he also received that, that gene from my side of the family. And I'm not embarrassed about that. <laughs> Why should I be embarrassed that he's got the gene of addiction? Um, so it's just, um, I think the isolation, if we could figure out um, how to support each other and not condemn each other in this um with this disease would go a long way. Yeah. And I think Uh, you kind of hit the nail on the head. We blame ourselves or there's something we could have done. There's something we can do, but there's not. No, 
No. <laughs> um, you know, the, the other part that I understood about the disease is um, <laughs> sort of the um, self-destructive nature of it and how badly he felt about himself. And so to continue to um, add to that pain... So, you know, part of what I wanted to do was sort of surround him with love mm. and um, show him that there is a, um, that there is a better way, um, that there, uh, there is a way out of that pain um, that isn't drugs and alcohol. Yeah. And that's really um, what it seems like. It seems like people are afraid to feel their feelings. They feel... Uh, and then once they start to work through and unpack some of that, I think it's been my experience. And yeah. they start to see their power and how big life can be and how amazing they are. Right. And that, and to be able to, you know, experience, feel and express a feeling and how, um, how rich that can make life. Yeah. How's your relationship with him today? You know, it's, um, the way that it is today is so much better. Um, that um, he has really grown and changed. And um, he was back home. He's not living in um, in our area any longer, but he was back home for a visit a couple of weeks ago and did his ninth step, making amends. And that was just amazing to be on the receiving end of that. Um, and, um, you know, I recognize that it's one day at a time. It's not... Um, he's still... Um, early in his recovery, mm-hmm. but I try not to um, take responsibility for it, um, worry about it. Uh, you know, we talk um, a couple of times a week, um, and we're able to talk about things that matter. He has um, he has a community of support. He has plans for the future. Um, you know, and he um, and I feel more comfortable, um, and less afraid when he, um, early in his, um, disease, I had this dream or really a nightmare that I was standing on a beach and he was in the water swimming and he was surrounded by sharks mm-hmm. and I was screaming at him to get out of the water. And, um, and that dream has changed some, our nightmare has changed now, and but he's not um, alone with the sharks, that there's a light in the sky, um, which for me is his higher power, is God. Mm-hmm. And I know that, um, you know, the God of his understanding, the God of my understanding, um, loves us both, and I feel comforted that he is being taken care of, and I don't have to do that. I'm not his higher power. I'm, I'm, I'm his mother. And I feel like I can, I can be his mother now. Um, and so I still have some more healing to do. I, you know, I, there's still things that I, I try to get involved in, in his life because I am his mother, but I, you know, I just, um, try to keep the focus on myself and not do for him what he can do for himself. Yeah. He probably appreciates that, though. Has he said anything he to you about it? Yeah, he does. I mean, he's very kind to me in terms yeah. of, of mistakes that I've made with him. Um, and I think 
he, um, you know, as bad as it got, I always knew he loved me. And I know he knows I love him. Um, and um, he may not have always and still may not always agree um, with me. But I know, um, you know, I know he knows I love him. And um, it's just um, one day at a time, really, in helping. Um, and I don't have the um, same fear when I see his uh name on my caller ID. It's more I'm excited to talk to him. <laughs> um, you know, and so I see that that's, um, I see that as progress for me. Um, and a reflection on him, too. How far you guys Absolutely. have both come. Yeah. Yeah. And how, you know, and it just is, um, I'm very proud of him. I'm proud of what he has done. That's awesome. And, and you, too. Yeah. What advice do you have for parents that might be in your situation a few years ago or, you know, when that was going on, what would you go back and tell yourself then? Um, ask for help, mm-hmm. you know, reach out, reach out to somebody. Um, for me, Al-Anon has been an amazing program of support. Um, you know, there are people who really understand um, and um, try to keep the focus on yourself and, um, it was really hard for me to understand what that meant and understand about um, detaching with love. Mm, that's a hard one. Oh, that's a hard one. And I, <laughs> one I still have to do daily now. I mean, it just, um, it's hard for me to not do for him, um, you know. And, um, but don't um, find somebody to talk to you know, about it. Don't, um, it's not a reflection on your parenting. It's not a reflection on, um, on who you are as a parent. It's, um, you know, the the disease, um, everyone is vulnerable to it. Yeah. Uh, and, and so to not, um, not a lot let fear or anger or judgment keep you from getting what you need for yourself. And really, the more you can keep the focus on yourself, um, the better your child will be. Yeah, that's an interesting what paradigm shift, I guess, for a lot of people when they're going through this because it's so consuming, but it, it really is true. And if anybody's listening and think that that sounds selfish, like focusing on yourself, that's not what Laura's talking about. She's talking about like taking care of yourself, minding your own business, I guess, <laughs> in yeah. a healthy way. Um, Laura, yeah. I'm going to take this opportunity to ask you a question as a professional now before we jump into the next part, because I had somebody email me and ask me to, you know, if I could interview more about spouses that are going through this. Yep. Um and I don't have a spouse that's going through that, so I don't have, and I haven't been through that, so I don't have that advice. But as a professional, what would you tell someone who loves and is married to and committed to someone who is, you know, suffering from their addiction? Well, and I, you know, and <laughs> I would probably say the same thing to the spouse that I would say to the parent is work your own program of recovery. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I you know, my belief is there's really two sides to this disease. There's the person who is suffering from the uh, the active addiction, and then there's the person who is suffering because of their suffering. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that makes sense. But, you know, what I realize about myself is that I, um, I'm sort of the other side. If there's a person suffering from the addiction, I'm the person who, because what happens with the disease is the person who's suffering becomes less and less effective. So if you're married to that less effective person, you become more effective. You know, what happened to me is I would overfunction. Um, I would do things. Um, I would work harder because he was working. You know, and that's a dynamic I see in couples that I work with, too, is, um, you know, if, if one spouse is addicted, the other one is going to... Um, pick up the slack. They're either going to work a second job or they're going to um, do more around the house. They're going to compensate for the hole that this active addict is using. I think also is really just work your own program. Find um, a group to support yourself and so you can lessen the focus on the addict's behavior. And it is a cunning and baffling disease. It's a disease of relationships. It affects not just the person who's addicted, but all of the people in that person's life. So, um, you know, I think um, having um, understanding, you know, and then also I think it helps to understand the disease, understand that you're not responsible um, that you can't uh, cure it, you can't change it, but you can contribute to it. Mm-hmm. And contributing to it might mean doing for that person, whether it's um, paying their bills or uh, making excuses or um, tolerating bad behavior, um, putting yourself in jeopardy, either emotionally, physically, financially, spiritually, um, because of someone else's behavior. And that really, when you, and I think it's also okay, um, because I think, you know, this disease lives in secrecy. So I think it to go, um, in a kind and loving way to let the, uh, you know, the person suffering from addiction, let them know how hurtful their behavior is. Mm-hmm. As a, you know, how as a spouse, it's hard to, you know, whether it's being embarrassed because you're at a party and they're impaired or, you know, you're overwhelmed because they're bills that are not being paid. Um, you know, I think it's, um, I think what I see in couples often is, you know, tolerating intolerable behavior, whether it's, um, you know, emotional neglect or emotional abuse, um, you know, this, this disease impairs the ability to maintain a healthy, intimate relationship, a healthy, emotionally intimate relationship. And so the loneliness that a spouse feels when their partner is impaired um, is very painful. Mm. It's very isolating. Um, you know, but I, I think that there are, um, there are places to get support um, and, you know, I think, you know, and I had been in that place myself with my son of wanting to get him well, and then I would be well, but really it was, I needed to get myself well and let, let him go. And I think that same dynamic 
happens with a couple too. Can they do that um, and still be living in the same household and still be together? You know, I do think that it that certainly is possible. I mean, I've um, I think living with active addiction is excruciating. I think yeah. you have you can't do it without a program of recovery. Uh, I don't think um, I really don't think that's um, very easy to do. But because you know, and it people get to their recovery on their own. Everybody has their own individual path and how they how they choose to get to it. Um, and so there isn't a um, one-size-fits-all. Yeah. Um, but I think if um, that doesn't mean if you work a program that you have to leave the relationship. You know, that's not what that means. You can stay in the relationship um, and get healthy yourself. And what I see happens, and not, you know, and I think this is part of what happened with my son is the healthier I got, the healthier he got. Yeah. Um, you know, and I see that with couples all the time. Um, when one person is willing, when one person in the family system is willing to change, you know, and I see that sometimes with kids too, you know, kids whose parents are, are affected by the disease. And then as the kids get healthy, the parents get healthy. Yeah. So there is, you know, just, you know, I think just as the disease progresses, everybody gets sick. I think as every one person gets well, everybody gets well. That's a good point. The opposite can happen. Yeah. Can happen. And, um, and your, the point you made earlier too, focusing on yourself is, you know, is not being selfish. It's self-care. Um, and I think the person suffering with the disease gets consumed in their own selfishness. Mm-hmm. And the person in the relationship starts being selfless and they lose themselves. So it's part of reclaiming yourself. And in doing that reclaiming of yourself, um, I think that changes the dynamic in the relationship. Yeah. And I think that helps the other person get healthy too. And what you said earlier, I think, is so important. Um, I hear it time and time again, having a sense of something that's more powerful than you, whether you call it God or what, you know, some of us have different names for that same power, that same being, but knowing that believing that there's something more powerful that loves you and that wants you to be happy and successful and healthy and sometimes just realizing that, you know can help a lot too and if if anyone's listening and you feel alone like start there start with the fact that knowing that you're not alone and then reach out from there maybe yeah you're exactly right yeah that you are not alone that there's something bigger than you that cares for you absolutely i want to um talk a little bit about your workshop that you're creating okay yeah tell us about Um, that okay i'm um a member of what's called the Recovery Commission within um, the Episcopal Church throughout the country. There are different um, uh, members involved that um, uh, focus on have uh, Recovery Sunday, is what we call it. And so I've put together with a um, another member of our, our team that the Recovery Commission put together a workshop called Restore to Wholeness. And it's focusing on the family and how this disease affects the family. Um, and um, in November, we'll be presenting, um, and it's open to the public, um, 
how this how this disease affects us and how this um, and what recovery looks like for us. That's amazing. What? Um, how long is your session going to be? It'll be about an hour and a half. Okay. And our hope is that we're going to start offering talks or, you know, opportunities, education opportunities to the community on a quarterly basis and be able to, um, you know, start the dialogue, start the communication about what recovery is. Um, I think and that's so needed. I, I think so, too. I think so, too. So if anybody's listening and they want to come to that, that's November 6, 2016, if you're still listening to this in 2016. Um, where are you? Where are they at? Is there like a way to register online or how would they go about doing that? They can. Um, I could um, send them an email or they can send me an email and I can send them the information about where the seminar at the time and the place of the seminar. It will be in Perfect. Memphis. Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. Yeah. And... Um, are you going to video it by any chance? We haven't had a discussion about that, but we, you know, I could look into that to see if that would be an option. If you decide to do that, I would love to, you know, if you put it on YouTube or something, I'd love to link to it and share about it on the podcast. Oh, okay. That's a good idea. I like that. Yeah. And then what if um, somebody's listening and they'd like the opportunity to work with you? Like, who do you work with and what does that look like? Well, in terms of, um, you know, I, my private practice, I work with adolescents through adults, individuals and couples. I do a variety of different things, but primarily help people with their relationship issues. Um, and um, whether it's um, a relationship that has addiction as part of it or if there's, you know, some other depression or anxiety, other issues that are um, affecting the functioning so they, um, I have a profile on psychology today. I also, um, you could reach me through the email um, okay. if somebody was interested in, you know, communicating with me. Absolutely. Should I link that on the show notes or do you want them to come through your blog to find Um, You could link it in the show notes. Okay. I'll go ahead and do that. So, um and then also, you just started blogging. Congratulations. It's a fun adventure. <laughs> it is a fun adventure. I'll, I'll have that linked up in the show notes too. But if anybody wants to check out right now, it's recoverymomblog.wordpress.com. Yes. Yeah. So I'm um, just a, a real newbie at this, trying to figure it all out. But I have journaled for years. And so this just seemed like a new, a new way. Um, one of the things that I did when my son was in treatment is I would do my readings in the morning and, um, and write him letters based mm. on what I had read. And so it was kind of a continuation of um, what, you know, what I'm thinking about on a particular day that, um, on a recovery topic based on what I had read and, you know, something, one of my recovery books. I really appreciate you for sharing your story and your journey. Is there anything else that you you know, feel led to share with the listeners? Well, I, you know, I would just encourage people to continue to, um, you know, find places to heal, mm-hmm. um, you know, find, um, just continue to um, be gentle with yourself and gentle with others and um, look to make connections that are positive, that are healing, um, that are helpful. I love that. 
And I love your your quote um, or what you said in your bio too. I want to focus on the light, not the dark. I want to make a difference. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's important to me. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing your story. Well, I'm honored that you, you asked me to participate. Thank you. All right. So I just hope that you guys found that as inspiring and touching as I did. I really love the connections that I'm making through the podcast and I love being here for you. I know over the past probably couple months, we've been going every other week and that's just what I've had to do to be able to take care of everything else that's going on, but I'm still here for you and still putting these out. And I'm going to ask, um, a personal favor, if you could take a moment and whatever your higher power is that you believe in, um, just take a moment and say a prayer for myself and my family, not even myself, for my brother. Um, he's at a point through his uh, process, he's still in jail, and we're really asking and hoping that he'll be able to serve a lighter sentence than what he's looking at right now. Um, I I guess I don't want to put out there what the negative is. I want to put out the positive because I want everybody seeing the positive. So if you could just take a moment and pray that whatever is going to be best for him um, is what happens and that he continues on his road to recovery because that's where he's at right now. He's looking for help. And in Arizona, it's a little sticky. I will probably have more information on that as we go down the road because I'm pretty upset about some of the things that I've ran into over the past month or so. Um, however, that's not what this is about. So, um, yeah, just know that I love you. I see you surrounded with light and love every single day. Um, even though a lot of you, I don't know your names and I don't know who you are. I do spend time in meditation and in prayer and just asking that you be lifted up and healed and happy and whole and that your loved ones are as well. And so if you could take a moment, if you're not already doing that and send a little white light and love back our way, we could really, really appreciate that right now or use that right now. And I really appreciate that. I see you surrounded with light and love. Thank you for listening to the Addiction Support Podcast. Addiction support for family and friends from people who've been there. www.addictionsupportpodcast.com.